signs and wonders, miracles in the book of Acts. And uh, I've called today's sermon in a really, in a way, similar title to the song that we were singing in House of Miracles. I've called today A Place for Miracles. And that's deliberately calling that, speaking that in two different ways. One, that we want to be a place for miracles. But secondly, there is a place for miracles in the life of the everyday believer and in the life of church today. And uh, we're going to be looking, uh, if you want to find Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be for part of this morning. And I want to read this first verse to you. This is Peter speaking to the crowd, crowd at Pentecost. Let me set the scene. Remember, the New Testament is, is the story of the life of Jesus and the impact that he has in the world. And we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them tells the story of Jesus from their own unique perspective. And then we have the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus has died and risen again. That's what we celebrate at Communion. He's met back with his disciples for a period of time and then he's gone, he's ascended to heaven. But the Bible tells us that he left his Holy Spirit to live amongst his people and that's what we celebrate on the day of Pentecost. We're we're a Pentecostal church. That's important for us. And on that day of Pentecost, it's Peter who becomes one of the key figures in the early church. He delivers this fantastic sermon on Pentecost, on that first day of Pentecost. And he says this in Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Peter looks back and reminds the people of the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus has done. He did them to demonstrate that the power of God was within him. Only only God could forgive. So when Jesus walked around saying, I forgive you of your sins. He was making a statement about who he was. And when he does these incredible signs and wonders and these miracles, again, he's making a statement about who he is, that somebody like that had to be operating with God's authority. And remember, earlier in the year, we looked at John's gospel. We didn't really touch on these, but but John picks seven miracles from the life of Jesus and he calls them the seven signs. Seven signs that Jesus uses to declare who he is. And when we speak about miracles, it's not unusual. I'm going to sing a Tom Jones song now. It's not. (laughs) It's not unusual to focus in on Jesus and all the miracles that he's done. But sometimes we forget that in the book that we're going to be focusing on, the Acts of the Apostles, and we've been there before, and we're going back in Acts again because it's such an important book for the church, that sometimes we forget that in the early church, the miraculous that Jesus had instigated continued. That's why that song that Dave introduced to us this morning is so important. It's reminding us that we're not just talking about some historical thing 2,000 years ago, but we're talking about what God's doing in the church now. Now, there are churches and denominations and church leaders who, who, who believe that God only did the miraculous thousands of years ago. 
And any signs and wonders and spiritual gifts and things like that were just for that time of the early church and that they've, that they've long finished. Well, thank you for that erudite comment there. It's a bit like saying, I believe that football stopped in 1999 and that in the year 2000 onwards, there's no football. But you could say, well, I've, I've watched it on TV. And I said, well, that could be, just, that could be a, a replay. And you said, well, I've read about it in the papers. And I could say, yeah, they're making that up. But when you say to me, I played in a game yesterday, I haven't really got an answer for, for that one. And so we're, we're going to be talking about what went on in the early church, but we're not looking at it as a historical document. We're looking on it as, if you like, a blueprint for what God wants to do in the church today. Let's look at uh, these favorite verses that we've been looking at a lot, Acts 2, verse 42, and then verse 2, verse 43. So Acts 2, verse 42, this is... Uh, this is the verse that we've been focusing on a lot the last few years, that we believe the four devotions that church should be built on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the story of Jesus, the word of God, and to the fellowship to each other, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we try to model that in the life of this church. And I think we've, we're getting there, we're growing, we're doing that, we're doing that well. But so often when we've been reading those verses the last couple of years, we haven't jumped to the next verse, the very next verse, which says this. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Isn't that astonishing? It's as if from that foundation of simple things, teaching of the word of God, fellowship together, breaking of bread into prayer, it was as if they were creating a foundation, a platform that allowed the Holy Spirit to move miraculously in them and through them. And so I think if we were going to mark ourselves on Acts 2.42, I think we're doing okay, we're doing well. But I believe we need to move now into Acts 2.43, not forgetting not forgetting Acts 2.42, because that's our foundation. We continue those things. But as we've got confidence in that, we begin to step out and say, okay, God, we're ready for you to do something astonishing and amazing. See, when we read the story of the early church, and we're going to be going through Acts, and we're going to be picking out, I think, is it eight miracles that we've been, Ben's kicking us off next week? Tracy's going to be preaching one. Becky's going to be preaching one. If she's better by then, hope so. It's a few weeks' time. I'm going to be preaching some. And we're going to see that that miraculous power displayed in the life of Jesus was also displayed in the life of ordinary men and women in the early church because God was with them through his Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just a passing phenomenon. It wasn't just a once-in-a-special-occasion event. But the miraculous was a regular occurrence in the life of the early church. The physical absence of Jesus didn't prevent the early church from healing people, from raising the dead, from casting out demons, from healing the sick, or, or from bringing multitudes into a saving relationship with Jesus. 
And the physical absence of Jesus with us needn't prohibit any of those things either. Why? Because he lives in us by his Holy Spirit and he's here, present, as his people gather together. You see, God never intended that Jesus was just this great historical role model that we looked at and, and you know, wished wistfully that we could be living those days with him. God intended that Jesus is alive in our midst and that the same thing is going on now. Jesus is alive today. I remember years ago, remember when the Harry Potter books came out and there was a lot of concern about all that supernatural stuff and wizardry and whatever in the Harry Potter books. And somebody said this, this is the tragedy. The tragedy isn't that J.K. Rowling has written a book about the supernatural in it. The tragedy is people aren't seeing enough of a supernatural move in the church. And they're going to other places because they believe in the supernatural. They just haven't been connected with the God of the supernatural. And so signs and wonders are part of the early church and we want them to be part of our church. As you read Acts, and we're going to invite you later to read Acts with us, as you read Acts, there's lots of different threads that you could pull through. There could be the thread of church planting, the thread of evangelism, the thread of prayer, the, the thread of generosity, the thread of persecution. They're all interlinked in the book of Acts. And one of them is the miraculous you can't read Acts without seeing God doing something miraculous. And when we read Acts, there were three different words. Don't worry about the Greek pronunciation, but just get the heart of these three different words that are used. One of them is this word dynamis or dynamis, power. So quite often when a miracle is talked about, it's talked about in terms of the power of God being displayed. And that word dynamis is the word that we get dynamite from and dynamo. It's this explosive power that God can bring into a situation. And then there's the word semion, a sign, an indication, a pointer, that these things were done as a signpost to who God is. So if Jesus was doing a miracle to say, this is who I am, the disciples weren't doing a miracle to say, aren't I great, this is who I am. They were doing a, they were doing a miracle to say, isn't he great? isn't the person that I follow, the Son of God. And in Acts 4, verse 16, that very word is used when the disciples are pulled up in front of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin say this, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. Ben's going to be talking about that miracle next week, so I won't give away too much of that. But what would it be like for, for it to say, everybody living in Barry knows that the Christians in Barry have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. Wouldn't that be astonishing? But what would it be like to, you know, you know that, those group of believers, those, that, those people who call themselves Christians, and they meet, they meet in that Welsh school, have you heard some of the miraculous things that's going on in their life? Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be amazing? And then the third word is a wonder. Teras, a wonder. It's, it's a word that it 
points to God. It's used a lot in Acts. And it's about something so wonderful that only God could do it. So that's, that's important to say that uh, when we're talking about miracles, and Paul defines miracles in First, first Corinthians, um, we're talking about a divine move of supernatural power. We're talking about something that happens out of the natural, out of the ordinary. So we're talking about an illness, a, a, a disease that might be healed in an instant, or an illness, a disease that might be healed gradually, but can't be. That, but that healing can't be put down to medical care. We're talking about the suspension of the natural order for a moment. So that something that, that could only be done by God can occur. We think of Jesus healing a blind man at an instant. We think of Jesus praying for a blind man uh, 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 twice and, he, and his, his sight gradually comes back. We think about Jesus praying for a man who's been lame for 38 years and boom, he's healed. We think about Jesus walking on the water. Think about Jesus multiplying bread and fish. I'm deliberately pointing back to Jesus, but we're going to be pointing forward to seeing what happens in the lives of the early church and some astonishing miracles like that. Common response to a person in receipt of a miracle? Well, there was joy. There was celebration. There was praise. There was thanksgiving. Very difficult to be to receive a miracle or to see a miracle without an overflow of praise and thanksgiving. Common response to those witnessing a miracle: amazement, astonishment, awe, wonder. And it's interesting that why. Why are these miracles happening? Well, we might, we might say, well, it's because God loves people and God, God has compassion for people. And that's not untrue. But actually, the main reason Jesus did miracles and the main reason that the miracles continued in the early church was so that they could be pointers to Jesus as Lord. And that's why miracles and mission so often come together. Signs and wonders and sharing our faith. The early church, certainly the early church read of in Acts, didn't have a church building. So their, their miracles weren't happening within the safe confines of a little church. Sometimes they were in a home meeting or in the temple. Often they were on the street or on the path or in, or in somebody's house. And so one of the things we're going to learn is that God doesn't just want to limit a supernatural move in the places where we might expect or where we might be comfortable. So we might see you have a miraculous encounter with somebody outside the school gates, in the coffee shop, in the gym, in your house, that if the Holy Spirit lives in you and God is with you all the time, we don't want to limit him to just an hour on a Sunday morning, do we? Do we? No. We don't. Thank you. Ben's awake anyway. That's good. 
So we're going to see that signs and wonders point to the supremacy of Jesus. And we want to see them increasingly, not just a part of the life of our church, but the part of the life of our fellowship outside of the church as a means to drawing others into faith, a vital part of our outreach and our ministry. Now I've seen, I was talking uh, to uh, the folk at uh, the Big Welcome, which is back on by the way, and we had a great, a great start on uh, Thursday. Uh, and uh, we were chatting there and I was saying, I've seen the miraculous. Many of you have seen miracles, I've seen them. I've seen them regularly in India. I've seen them regularly in Africa. I've seen them occasionally in the UK. I need to see them more. I want to be part of more of what God's doing miraculously in your life and in my life in Barry. And that's why we're doing this. We're, we're, we're taking a risk here. I'm taking a risk really by saying we're going to preach about miracles. And look, we'll, we'll all be very, very disappointed, won't we, if in two months' time we've had a lovely little educational series on miracles and we haven't had our faith levels risen and we haven't seen God move in power. And so we're going to be praying for the miraculous. But hey, because it's not about us, it's about God, sometimes we'll pray and we'll see God move powerfully. And other times we'll pray and it might not seem that God's moving at all. But we trust him because he might move in that person's life or in that situation in a different time scale than ours. I've prayed for people to be healed and I've seen them healed. I've prayed for people to be healed and I haven't seen them healed. Does that stop me praying for people? No, because it's not about my prayers. It's about a move of God. I might, I've, I've told you this story before probably when I was back in India for the first time in about 15 years in 2005 and we saw that young man, I haven't got time to tell you the whole story, but we saw a young man who was electrocuted and died and we prayed for him and he came back to life. That was October 2005. He's still alive and kicking now, I trained as a pastor living in Canada actually. His name's Saga. But I went home and I told that story of God doing the miraculous everywhere I went. And I took a team of students there about 12 months later and they'd heard those stories and they were full of faith and we went out into Indian villages each night and we prayed every night for a miracle and sometimes God moved and sometimes he didn't. I remember being in a village where a, a, a man was blind and we gathered around and we prayed for this man and I think all the students there, it was the first night, all the students were full of faith and they expected this man's sight to come back and it didn't, it was a gradual improvement, negligible and in the car on the way back to where we were staying there, I could see they were disappointed and they said, is it, Pastor, is it our lack of faith, did we not pray right? If you'd been on, their own, on, on your own, would you have seen this great move of God? Were we getting in the way? And I said, no, none of those. I don't know. All I know, God's sovereign. We can't whistle up God to do a miracle when we want it. He'll do that at his time. And that, that man's eyesight did get better, but it took a long, long time. So we're taking a risk by saying, God, would you move? But we're putting our faith and trust in the almighty God. In the, in the miracle worker. He is the miracle maker. So it's not about how good we are. 
Although we have our part to play. I want to remind you that as, as we come through these, that uh, did we miss the, about Luke? Did we, have we got something about Luke? Here we go. So the, let me just say this. The man who writes Acts the Apostles is the Luke who also wrote his gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke writes Acts. Luke is a doctor. If only we had a doctor among us who was sort of educated and, and erudite and, and, and you know, well-spoken. But we've got Richard instead. <laughs> I'm joking. Luke is an intelligent bloke. Luke is an educated, orderly guy. Luke is a guy, he's a doctor, he's used to dealing with people who are sick. So if you want somebody who's, who's actually going to be hard to convince about the miraculous, who's not going to take it lightly, you'd speak to a doctor. And so Luke is writing these accounts for us. He hasn't had the wool pulled over his eyes. Even better than that, Luke is there. On several occasions when these things are happening, Luke just surreptitiously reminds us that he's there. He's seeing this. He's an eyewitness. So this isn't just a load of old fluff that somebody's come up with. This is a well-educated eyewitness who's given us the account of what's going on. And prayer is the key. Now listen to what I said before. This, this isn't the equation. We pray, God does a miracle every time. That's not how it happens. But so often we find that prayer and the supernatural, prayer and the miraculous are linked together. I don't want to not pray and not see a move of God. Michael Green, who is, uh, was a, a, a great theologian, evangelist, preacher, teacher, he says this. In Acts, prayer is crucial. When the Christians pray, the spirit comes. Prison doors open. The place of worship is shaken. They speak with boldness. The first Gentile mission was born in prayer. And we read of a prayer in prison, prayer in the home, prayer on the beach, prayer in the temple. Prayer is the source of power. Let us learn from Luke, not simply to agree to its importance, but to give it priority in our churches and in our lives. Well, reminder that we've got 24-7 prayer going for the church. And they've set that up, a number of us have jumped on board in that. If you haven't, it's not too late to be involved in that. If that whole idea of trying to negotiate online and book yourself in, if all that's too much, Speak to Dave, tell him the time of day or the time of week that you're going to commit to pray for the church. He'll make sure you're included. But one thing we can say is that prayer is going to be so important. Just a few verses in Acts 4. Peter's still speaking to the Sanhedrin and in Acts 4 verse 30. He says this, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. And we're going to be doing that. We're going to be asking you to stretch out your hand to perform miracles and signs and wonders. But listen, we're not leaving you on your own. Miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You can say the most powerful prayer you've ever prayed, but if you're not trusting in Jesus, that prayer is a waste of time. 
You can pray the most fumbling, confused prayer, but if it's heartfelt and it's in the name of Jesus, you're opening yourself up to a supernatural move of God. In the early church, miracles were occurring because they had these priorities. I think we're going to put the next slide. Here we go. If we can be a church like this, I believe we'll open ourselves up to a powerful move of God. Churches that keep Jesus at the centre. This sermon series doesn't depend on me or the other preachers or the leadership or how many we've got in church that day. We depend on Jesus. He is the centre. Prayer, we've already talked about that. The word of God. We're trying here every week to open ourselves up to the word of God and the spirit of God. What I'm speaking about this morning isn't just a good idea that I've thought up. It's earthed and rooted and alive in the word of God. Outreach. We say we want to be a church that loves God, that loves each other and loves those who are yet to come in. And those of you that have come more recently amongst us, I hope you do feel a sense of belonging, of welcome, of love from us because we, we value you. Church that's united. That doesn't mean we've all got to look the same, dress the same, think the same, say the same. But it does mean that we're united in that purpose that's bigger than ourselves to see the name of Jesus made known over Barry and to see that flood tide of the Holy Spirit come in and to see signs and wonders as a declaration of who Jesus is. Opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit week by week, day by day, hour by hour, our guide, our director, our, our, our missions director, if you like. And wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. With our weaknesses, with our failings, with our worries, with our concerns, are we still going to chuck ourselves in wholeheartedly to this and say, God, we want to see you move in power because we need a miracle. And some of you are standing in need of a miracle right now. I know that. And we want to continue to pray for you. We're going to be reminded too, I think this is our last slide, that perhaps the biggest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. I think Tracy's going to be preaching about Paul's conversion and that incredible transformation from death to life, from darkness to light that Paul sees. And we're going to be reminded in all of this that those of us who've, who've, who know Jesus in our life, we've already had that incredible salvation miracle occur in our own life. But we want to see that in the lives of others. And again, those of you that are perhaps a little bit newer to the church and you're still exploring all what this means, if you can't, if you're not ready yet to say, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord, my friend, my saviour, we want to help you on that journey. And you'll experience that miracle in your life for yourselves. We believe that Jesus is our saviour. We believe he does the miraculous. We believe he heals. We believe he delivers people from evil spirits, that he breaks bondages and addictions and fears and curses over people. We believe he is Lord over nature. 
We believe that salvation and eternal life only comes through his name. And we're going to say that even if we never experience signs and wonders in our own life, even if we never see the miracle ourselves, we're not going to stop believing that God moves like that. We're never going to stop believing that God, God, God does things like that. We'll not stop putting our faith and our trust in him and living out our salvation.